1: Thank you so much for joining us on AM 1420, The Answer, at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Wednesday, the 20th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2019. we got a lot of people to talk to today on the program, coming up in uh, less, well, about 10 minutes or so. We're going to talk with former United States um, Senate candidate uh, Melissa Atkinson, who's going to have an update for us on a story that we started following uh, a while back. A uh, story of lewdness and child endangerment, quite frankly, that is uh, apparently going to be allowed to continue in the state of Ohio. It's a very troubling development, but it's real and uh, it's something we're going to talk about with Melissa. She really went to bat uh, on behalf of protecting kids from this particular type of situation, and she's going to give us the uh, rundown on where she ended up. Uh, with leadership in the state of Ohio, so that conversation is coming up in about ten minutes or so at nine twenty at nine forty eight we 're going to have another follow up story for you it 's kind of boy it's kind of like um, really uh, catching up on some uh, some past news i won 't call it old news because it 's still current. But it's stuff that we began a while ago. Chris Long, Pastor Chris Long, the uh, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance, is going to be joining us for an update on Covington. If you don't already know about Covington, there is very good news about Covington. A lawsuit has been filed on behalf of the Covington Catholic school kids who were, uh, defamed, who were slandered, who were threatened, who were, uh, treated as if they were, you know, on, uh, you know, the FBI's 10 most wanted list for standing at the March for Life in the shadow of the great emancipator at the Lincoln Memorial, waiting for their bus while being attacked verbally with some vicious, horrific things by the, um, Uh, the uh, black Hebrew Israelites, and then being approached by a strange, odd man, a Native American older gentleman who beat a drum in the face of one of the students who did nothing but stand there and smile at it, not really knowing what to make of it. They were demonized all over the national media by no one more so, perhaps... Then the Washington Post, which is why lawyers for Nick Sandman, the smiling, smirking, as he's been described, uh, face of the Covington uh, Catholic School uh, story, lawyers for Nick Sandman and his family have sued the Washington Post for $250 million. The lawsuit claimed that the Washington Post wrongfully targeted and bullied Nicholas because he was the white Catholic school student wearing a red Make America Great Again souvenir cap on a school field trip to uh, uh to the January 18th March for Life in Washington, D.C. The lawsuit claimed the Washington Post ignored basic journalistic standards when reporting on the story. Attorneys Linwood and Todd McCurtry filed the lawsuit on behalf of the Salmon family and said this is only the first in a series of lawsuits they are planning against other media entities that demonized these kids without any facts whatsoever. I cannot tell you how happy and excited I am for this. I I, I just cannot tell you how positive this step is. You know, we sit here on a daily basis and complain about the mainstream media, don't we? President Trump tweets on an almost daily basis about the mainstream media, doesn't he? And he does, does so rightfully. Because the mainstream media has not been fair in its coverage of President Trump, and certainly not fair in its coverage of Trump supporters or conservatives. And sometimes that quote-unquote unfairness crosses over into damaging, threatening, dangerous coverage of conservatives and conservative-minded people. So we complain about it, but that's all we do, right? Very rarely does anybody take an action to make them accountable, to demand journalistic standards, to demand non-biased coverage of these very important situations, situations in which people have been threatened, families have received death threats, and more. And it's very, very important that somebody hold these people accountable. Well, now finally, somebody's doing it. So the lawsuit has been filed, that's that's part one, that's that's one element of the uh, the pushback against a very, very dangerous media, what the President calls the enemy of the people. The second element of that is to also hold accountable those who threaten the targets of the media. In other words, the media targeted the Covington kids, and following right along in suit, there have been threats made against the Covington kids. Because the media is telling people they're evil, and they deserve to be harmed in some way. And there are idiots who actually take that seriously. So Pastor Chris Long has been urging, along with the Ohio Christian Alliance and other organizations, he went down to Cincinnati uh, uh, just uh, uh, a few weeks ago, to urge the FBI and make public statements demanding an FBI investigation of the threats against the Covington kids. So all of this is happening, of course, on the heels of the Jussie Smollett hoax. You know, these are just fake news stories. The media has declared Trump supporters responsible for harassing a little Native American elder on the steps of the or near the steps of the uh, Lincoln Memorial. The media has declared that two red cap wearers like the Covington kids uh, declared that they beat up Jussie Smollett because he's black and gay. And did so uh, as part of a hate crime, including a noose and pouring bleach on him. And none of these things are true. And people are threatening people who wear red MAGA caps and other Trump supportive uh, um, uh, regalia all over this country. Just two days ago, a man had a gun pulled on him because he was wearing a Make America Great Again hat. He was threatened because he supports Trump. The media gins this stuff up. A young kid, a 14-year-old kid, went into a Vans store. If you know what the Vans brand is, it's a brand of shoes and clothing. It's popular with a lot of the teenagers these days, which is fine. He went into a store wearing a Make America Great Again hat, was told by a punk millennial employee to take that thing off. When he said, why, I haven't done anything wrong, he was told, blank you, F you. The kid told his mother, or either the mother heard it, the mother demanded to speak with the manager there, got the the, uh, millennial idiot fired. But again, people who wear MAGA caps, people who express support for President Trump or conservative ideals, are being targeted all over this country. Why? They're being threatened, they're being harassed. Why? Because of the media. So this lawsuit against the media, and hopefully they're right, that it's the first of many, is really, really long overdue. And I hope that kid, Nick Sandman, owns the Washington Post someday and maybe turns it into something a little bit more uh, representative of journalism. So we've, got, uh, so we've got those coming up. We're going to talk to Melissa Atkinson. We're going to talk to Chris Long. And then, of course, at 9.05, or excuse me, 10.05, uh, we will talk with Ryan Morrow. There are three very important stories uh, involving national security as it pertains to the threat of radical Islam that are going on in this country right now. Ryan's got three important stories to tell you about with some analysis you're going to want to hear. So three great guests today, in addition to your always great phone calls at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five and triple eight 281 1110 Let's get you up and on the radio early this morning on AM 1420 The Answer.
0: 1818.
1: All right, 20 minutes after 9 o'clock, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. I want to uh, welcome my friend uh, Melissa Atkinson back to our program. Melissa is a former Senate candidate in the Republican primary for Senate. Uh, she ran uh, just this past November, and uh, she is now uh, a very active person. Well, she's always been a very active person, but she has taken this uh, story um, and run with it, and she has really attacked this uh, in defense of children. And uh, first of all, Melissa, let me bring in good morning. Thanks for coming back on. How are you?
2: Good
1: morning, Bob. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, too. I I was going to give a bit of a summary of what we talked about a few weeks back when we first uh, discovered this um, situation of a a young nine-year-old boy being uh, allowed to or forced to or encouraged to dress up in drag as a girl and go and dance around bars in the state of Ohio after hours for tips. Uh, because, quite frankly, I think anybody with any sense or reason would see this as a, a threat um, or an endangerment to children. But uh, I don't think I can do the story justice, especially given how much you have followed up on. So why don't you go ahead and refresh us on what it was and then tell us where we are today.
2: Sure. So to kind of bring things full circle and to do it quickly, the situation essentially is how you described it. There was a nine-year-old child who was dancing after hours anywhere from midnight upwards of one, two o'clock in the morning in bars around the state of Ohio. This young man was dressed in scantily clad clothing. Uh, It happened to be clothing of the opposite sex, but I don't think that that really matters. I, I think it's more so the fact that this is happening in the first place, and he would go into performances for adult audiences doing high kicks and kind of air gyrations and all kinds of things that just just, uh, that any reasonable person uh, who cares about protecting a child's virtue would say, hey, something is not right here. This isn't okay. So the long and short of it is I was able to bring the attention with the help of organizations such as Ohio Value Voters, such as the Ohio Republican Liberty Caucus, and friends as well as uh, even parents in Fairfield County where one of these incidents took place. We were able to really rally the troops get the information and the data together, uh, including advertisements of this child dancing at bars, and then we elevated it to the appropriate authorities. So in this particular circumstance, it was Lancaster, Ohio that we were dealing with. The child was dancing in a bar called J.D. Henderson's. We performed really this quasi-investigation where we spoke to the bar owner. We were able to have conversation with the drag queen booking company who had this little boy dancing, uh, dressed as a girl, at bars after hours. So there was no doubt, including video that, that uh, surfaced and that was all over the internet, of this child dancing in multiple venues. Now, as it relates to the Ohio Revised Code, I think I sent that over to you last night as it relates to, yeah, as it was, and I don't know if you want to go ahead and read that. This would be really where the uh, violations occurred. Do you want to go ahead and do that and then we can jump back in?
1: Uh, yeah, that's fine. Um, this is, uh, this is what the hire. well, it's, I don't know if I want to read the entire thing. It's awfully lengthy. Um, uh, okay. as far as, yeah, because I mean, I would sit here and bore people because especially because of the legalese. Why don't you just do the paraphrasing of it?
2: Sure. So essentially, um, the Ohio Revised Code is very specific under 291922 endangering children, okay? And so while we believe, and again, any reasonable person would believe that, that based on the verbiage in the ORC and all of the violations, that there were certainly laws broken. Well, we find out yesterday after investigations are completed that there really is nothing on the books right now, although I, I read it and interpret it much differently, as do many other people, uh, that there's nothing on the books right now to prevent or to protect this from happening again. And, in fact, this child has already been advertised to be dancing at another bar in the month of April. So,
1: there, there, spent- Melissa, there is there is one part of, of the mm-hmm. code, which you sent me, which is two nine one one nine. .22 Endangering Children, as you point out, that that I do want to read because we need to discuss the parents of this child. Um, Mm -hmm. In in Section 5, I guess it is, No Person Shall, that's from B, and then it goes on to 5, a subsection, Entice, coerce, permit, encourage, compel hire, higher use, or allow the child to act, model or in any other way participate in or be photographed for the production, presentation, dissemination or advisement of any material or performance that the offender knows or reasonably should know is obscene or is sexually oriented matter or is nudity oriented matter. I, I, I want to bring that up because of the first two words in this entice and coerce. The mother does these. Type of, I don't know, hers would probably be called burlesque, maybe? Yeah. Not drag, because yeah. she is a female. You know, drag, of course, is male, uh, males dressing as females. This is her thing. This is like her lifestyle. This is her, the way she, you know, she entertains and what she finds to be appealing. She has dragged a, an innocent nine year old, her nine year old, in my view, anyway, at least this is something, this is why I bring it up. You don't, you don't think that this child is being enticed and coerced and encouraged and compelled by mom, come and do this. This is who you are, whether the child at the age of nine knows who or what he is in the first place. That's the part that's troubling to me, is that the investigation here doesn't include the investigation of whether or not this is something the kid actually wants to do uh, or is being encouraged or enticed into doing by mom.
2: Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because this was actually a glorified situation. In fact, the Toledo Blade, along with the Lancaster uh, Eagle Gazette, actually did an article uh, about this child. Or I'm sorry, it was specifically the Toledo Blade as it relates to uh, almost a glorification of this child who uh, apparently hatched this idea from watching RuPaul's Drag Race that he wanted to then perform. And from, from most adults' perspective that we talk to, and again, Uh, I have a very diverse friend group, and it doesn't matter if I have a conversation with a a lesbian couple, a gay couple, uh, a gentleman that I was friends with for many, many years who actually performed drag, or a a heterosexual couple, single. It doesn't matter. Everybody is of the belief that while this may be the choice that an adult makes, whether it's to transition or to perform, for a nine-year-old child to make a decision to perform in bars for cash tips... Dressed in, in leotard girls leotard outfits, or as the opposite sex, or again, it doesn't matter what if they're dressed as a unicorn. Something doesn't make sense about this at one, two, three o'clock in the morning, performing multiple outfit changes, etc. So yes, you and I. The and kind
1: of thing that a reasonable is. parent would say to their child: No. No, you you know, when you're when you're you're an adult, when you're 18 and you want to if you want to, you know, think about dancing and whatever capacity that you want to dance. I mean, I can't stop you then. But no, you're no, you're not going to the bars. You're not going to go and do it. And I don't I'm not I don't know the situations because I don't know the family. But the idea that the kid just saw this on RuPaul and said, me too, and not, wasn't encouraged by the mother to engage in this behavior, which according to the ORC that you sent me, I, I think it re- any reasonable person would say it is obscene. And it is sexually oriented, because there's a reason why they're dressing, she's not dressing in a pant, or he is not being dressed up in a pantsuit, he's being dressed in these uh, these scantily clad or skin-tight leotard type outfits. That is sexually oriented material, and the fact that people are to wave dollars in the air and tip him for this is, a, is, a, is to me a disturbing thing.
2: It was not just the dollar bills; it was the the videos that were also circulating. That that uh, you've seen some of them, Bob. I don't know if you yeah. stomach watching through them, but no. uh, it wasn't just that, Bob. I think you know kind of the backlash that I received from that particular community. And I I wouldn't say that they speak certainly for the entire LGBTQ community, but there are individuals who have exploited that community by their all inclusive nature, and they've been able to infiltrate and gain access to children who are, are, you know, kind of teetering back and forth between these types of things. And and that's a scary thing. Any time that you have adults who are seeking to exploit the lifestyle of a community and then that community uh, defending this was was what was really scary. I mean, you knew my house was under surveillance, the threats that I had received as a result of bringing this to the forefront and coming to the media. Uh, you know, it was, it was very, very difficult um, because, again, as parents or as just decent human beings, we know that a child's virtue is something that you protect. Now, yesterday I received a call from one of the investigators, and essentially the, investigative, uh, the 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 work of the investigators, the prosecutors, all the people that we brought into the fold, have deemed that there haven't been any laws broken. Now, we're lucky enough that we were able to lobby, I, I shouldn't use the word, uh, leverage some of the uh, members of the General Assembly to get behind new bills with specific verbiage. Unfortunately, you have to. You're, we're now at a point in this country where we're speaking and spelling out, cannot have children dancing in bars after hours for tips, whether dressed up or otherwise. So we do have some bills that are already on the docket and have been presented. Um, I have one on the way to me. And so, again, you have organizations like Ohio Value Voters. Those are the teeth mm-hmm. uh, legislatively behind this. They have a paid lobbyist by the name of Barry Sheets, who is very, very familiar with the legislation knows the legislators and people who are now willing to say okay, we're going to make sure that this doesn't happen again because you've got to give the public some hope to say you know, I know yesterday when I received a call from the investigator, I said so essentially what you're telling me is to brace myself, stand down and get prepared because in communities like Lancaster, this has already happened, this child is going to continue to perform and you're now telling me that I could dress up a child or we could open up a child dance ball where we have children dancing after hours, whether dressed as the opposite sex, dressed as themselves, dressed as a unicorn, dressed as anything for the attention of adults giving them cash tips at 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning. So it's keeping that pressure on these lawmakers. You know that I have a voice that reaches many. I know that you do as well. you know you do. You know, you've got good guys like Chuck Douglas who are going to stand behind and and help us with this, Tom Rotten out of southeastern Ohio. We'll, We'll pressure them.
1: Well, you know, I know you will, and I'm glad you do. And I'm glad these other organizations like Ohio Value Voters and others are behind this, too, because, um, you know, I think the pressure does need to keep, be kept on. And at the bare minimum, the public needs to be aware of these kinds of things so that in their own local communities, perhaps, the real pressure can be put on the bars and the establishments and the places that are allowing this to happen because it's indecent. It's, it's, it's endangering to children. And to me, it's not something that we should be standing by and watching happen. So, uh, Melissa, I'm so glad that you're, you're on this. And- and, uh, that you're fighting the good fight and so many others are as well please keep us posted as to where you go uh and we'll continue to try to sound the alarm here as well and and encourage people as i said all over the state if these kinds of things are going on in establishments near you uh, talk to your local officials talk to the establishments themselves engineer boycotts if need be that's not something i usually try to get behind but do what you have to do to try to uh, protect these kids because it is that serious melissa thank you so much for all the info
2: Just real quick, wanted to let you know that on March 28th at 7 o'clock p.m., the Grove Community Christian Church in Fairfield County, Ohio, where one of these incidents took place, we will be having a meeting. It's the Ohio Republican Liberty Caucus. All are welcome to attend um, to really talk about some of the things that we can do to keep pressure on our legislators. What's what's the
1: date again? What's the date again? Because I've got to go, Uh, Melissa. What's the date of that? March 28th,
2: 7 o'clock p.m. Check me out on Facebook, and I'll make sure to keep everybody updated.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Melissa, thank you so very much. That's Melissa Atkinson. She is uh, now an activist, and she is also a former Senate candidate as well. Let's catch up on our news. Come right back on AM 1420. Station.
2: 9.37
1: as we continue on AM 1420, the answer is really, really... Um, it's a really, really uh, disturbing story that Melissa was just sharing with us, and uh, and I'm so glad to know that there are good people uh, fighting for this. I mean, you know, I, I would disagree with Melissa, my guest, in, in one way. You know, she said, you know, it doesn't matter if they're dancing in, you know, uh, cross-dressing outfits or, or dressed as unicorns. You know, little kids, you, you know, costumes like a uniform, or unicorn, rather. Even though the bar aspect of it and the tips and the uh, the uh, the late night hours and these kinds of things, you know, it it wouldn't be as bad. It does matter that they're wearing, or at least this this young child is wearing, what I would deem to describe, uh, deem to be sexualized clothing. You know, wearing the the leotards and the uh, and the women's clothing, and you know, trying to create fake cleavage when he's going to get tips and these kinds of things. It's encouraging. Some very dangerous behaviors on behalf of a child to me, and and the state really ought to take this a lot more seriously than clearly they are. And, and I would also again, and this is not my my area of expertise, so it's just what I'm you know what I'm thinking out loud here. The mother has to be enticing. I don't understand how it cannot be considered enticing and er- encouraging and urging and compelling the child to do these things because that's her lifestyle. That's what she does. And it says according to the ORC. Uh, two nine one nine endangering children, enticing, coercing, permitting, encouraging, compelling, et cetera, et cetera, children to um be beha- to uh, behave in these uh, dangerous ways is something that is uh, punishable by law. But that's just uh, that's where I am on it. If you've got thoughts on it, again two one six nine zero one zero nine four five or triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Bj is calling from North Olmsted. Hey, Bj, Bj, go ahead. You're on the air.
3: Thank you. I'd like to make a point about a conversation you and I had a few weeks ago about uh, it's a woman's movement uh, would be the ones to really uh, have the voice as far as start, starting a partial birth abortion. And you said, well, you didn't agree with that. A man should have a, a comment about that. I agree with you. I agree with you completely. And I wonder what would happen if a law was passed that men had the right to choose how long that would be tolerated. By society <laughs> but i want to move on to the your. it's a very it's a very guest.
1: good question that's a very good question bj yeah
3: and, and i hope you work on that question a little bit and make a point of it i would appreciate your thoughts on it further but you and your last guest melissa just made, made some great points years ago when the gays were coming out of the closet and encouraged we are now at the lgbtq id and the id is in indecent decadence we take, we, when something starts in our society, just like, uh, trimester abortion all the way to partial birth abortion and after birth abortion, these little seeds are like seeds that we plant in the ground. And when they grow and, and come out into fruition of what they ultimately become, we start to see a whole different image of what that seed that we plant and accept becomes. And in society today, there are some very, very nasty seeds that are planted in our society. And as long as you're willing to accept the end result of what that seed produces, you have to live with it. And I, I, I am a very liberal person. I'm not trying to pretend any moral uh, opinion here. But for the younger people, you have to wake up to what you're willing to accept and what it's going to lead to in in a period of time. We. Besides the political problems we have, we have to become more aware of ourselves socially. It doesn't have anything to do with religion or morality. It has to do with reality of the world we want to live in. And I thank you for your time, Bob.
1: Well, it the conversation <clears throat> um, you wanted to follow up on the conversation about. Uh, um, uh, Abortion at the beginning of your call there. And I wanted to, I wanted to, to say that we are making strides. We are taking steps in the right direction. Um, Governor DeWine in this state has indicated a willingness to sign as soon as the fetal heartbeat bill gets pushed back through the Ohio General Assembly. He will do what Governor Kasich would not do. He has indicated he will sign that. That's a great start. And I want to say this, too, that in Mississippi, the governor there in Mississippi is also uh, excited about this because Mississippi's legis- uh, state legislature is moving forward with a similar fetal heartbeat bill, um, and Governor Phil Bryant is, uh, is positive about that.
3: And it would say that when that child um, begins to live through the detection of that heartbeat, sometime between six and nine weeks, mm-hmm. that you can't destroy that life. You can't take that life in the womb. And,
1: and, and that is exact you know i I've, I've I've said this before, and I know that I can be over, overly simplistic at times, but the heartbeat bill is to me the most logical if we accept or if we we should never accept it, but if if we understand that the push to get all lawmakers to agree and to get the Supreme Court to agree that life begins at conception which most of us believe it does, if that's just a little too far out there, if it's unrealistic to get them to go along with that, then we have to take this as incrementally as we can. And to me, the, the first increment should be when a second heartbeat exists in a person's body, you have a second person's body in existence. It's just that simple. Again, I know it's overly simplistic, but to me, to my knowledge, there has never been a person born who was able to survive with two hearts. Now, maybe if there is a genetic mutation of some sort, maybe somebody was, but obviously they weren't going to live. But I don't think anybody has ever lived and survived with, with two hearts. Since human beings only have one heart and there is a second heartbeat detected, we now have a second human being. I just It's very simple to understand as far as I'm concerned. And that's the message, again, that the good people of uh, Mississippi, under the leadership of their governor, Phil Bryant, are... We're going to try out. to
3: stop it here in Mississippi and other states around the nation. If you look at Ohio, uh, Governor DeWine has said he will sign that bill that Governor Kasich vetoed. Uh, Florida, Tennessee, uh, Kentucky. Uh, the movement is spreading, and we're very proud to help begin it. We are pushing
1: back against the Andrew Cuomo's of the world. We are pushing back against the Ralph Northam's of the world. And these, of course, are the governors of New York and Virginia, respectively, and some of the other places that have uh, legalized this horrendous uh, or trying to legalize this horrendous uh, notion that you should be able to murder a baby up until the moment it's born or, in Virginia's case, after it's born. We're pushing back, and we're making great strides. I don't know that we'll ever get to the place where we get everybody to say, life begins at conception, no abortions ever under any circumstances, no matter how early. I don't know if we're ever going to get there. But I do know that this step toward the heartbeat bill is a very, very important one. So, BJ, I'm sorry to change the focus of your call. You just threw that in at the beginning, and that was all I really wanted to hear from that point on. Thank you for so much for that. It's 945. Uh, We're going to take a time out here. Don't forget, Pastor Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance, is going to be joining us to talk about more uh, uh, new information, rather, is what we'll say, on the Covington Catholic school kids who have been targeted by the media and threatened by individuals. Uh, There's movement on both of those fronts. We'll talk about that with Chris coming up next, right here on AM 1420
0: The Answer. All about.
1: 951 now the Bob Brands Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. I want to bring Pastor Chris Long back onto our program. Uh, Pastor Long is the president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Good to have you back, Chris. How are you, sir?
3: Thanks, Bob. Good to be with you today.
1: Great news uh, in the filing, in my opinion, of uh, of the lawsuit by the uh, attorneys for um, uh, Nicholas Sandman, the uh, young man who has become the face of the Covington Catholic school kids who were minding their own business, waiting for their bus on the steps of the uh, Lincoln Memorial when they were accosted by, first, the black Hebrew Israelites with some of the most profane, vile language that you can imagine, and then uh, intimidated, and uh, for lack of a better word, by the uh, uh, Native American uh, Nathan Phillips, a um, $250 million lawsuit filed against the Washington Post, and they say that's the first of many to come. Somebody needs to hold the media accountable because the media, in my view, Chris, is responsible for a lot of the anger that has been ginned up and that has led to threats against the uh, Sandman family and against the other Covington School kids and the school itself. And I know that's where you come in because you have uh, been working to uh, get the FBI and other law enforcement agencies to take these threats very seriously. Can you give us an update?
3: That's right, Bob. Last time I was with you, we were announcing that we were going to hold a press conference on July, excuse me, January 29th. I wish it was July. (laughs) (laughs) Look it out the window. Anyways, it was uh, January 29th in Cincinnati. We held that press conference. At the same time, the FBI office in Cincinnati, the FBI office in Louisville, Kentucky, and the Justice Department in Washington, D.C. was in receipt of a letter, a correspondence from the Ohio Christian Alliance, urging them to investigate the serious threats that came in against the school and its students and the civil liberties that were violated by these christian students well i have an update for everyone we did receive response back from the special field officer fbi agent in kentucky and he informed us that an investigation was uh... ongoing and that they were working with local law enforcement officials uh, enforcement officials that was rob sanders who is the prosecutor uh... in kentucky who is taking the lead on this uh, case, but is receiving assistance from the FBI. Now, also, we just received a few days ago a letter from Jeff Veltry. He is the chief of Civil Rights Division of the U.S. Department of Justice in Washington, D.C. Now, you know, as we received this letter, others were telling us and said, hey, Chris, that's a big deal. We have sent letters and correspondence to D.C. and never have gotten a response. One or two things. Things are beginning to change in the new uh, face of the Justice Department, uh... now that there's been a shake-up or that actually they're taking seriously uh... the request for the investigation now we're looking at this is twofold what you're seeing unfold last night with a two hundred fifty million dollar lawsuit by the attorneys of nick sandman's family against the washington post thats that's the um, uh, lawsuit that they're filing we're looking for criminal uh, charges to be filed against those who made these threats against the schools as uh, the school and as students now let's understand something the the week that they got back the monday the school had to close due to uh threats and concerns local law enforcement with the school officials thought it necessary to close the school on monday later that week athletic programs were suspended over concerns of safety and security two families were doxxed. now remember it was kathy griffith who put out on her twitter twitter feed to dox the families well, that actually occurred, so she could be liable for her call for the doxing of families. There were two families that had to vacate their homes that week uh, because of security concerns. And then we understand there is an Ohio connection. Are those
1: families returned, if I may, Chris? I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm just curious. Are they still hiding, or were they able to get back to their homes eventually?
3: That, that we don't know. I, it okay. may have been just for a day or two or a few days until you know uh, things were sorted out by uh, law officials. We don't know. Regardless, that's
1: terrifying. That is to think about that. I can't go to the safety of my own home because I'm being set upon by all of these jackals who have been ginned up by the media, by celebrities, and these others who are leading to these very, very serious threats. And as we have seen, there have been people you know, quite frankly, Chris, you know fellow Trump supporters, and I just I point to the Covington kids' hats. And I think that's yeah. why they were targeted by the Black Hebrew Israelites and by Nathan uh, Phillips and so on and so forth. But we've seen kids, uh, be, uh, you know, people with those hats being punched, people being assaulted, people being shouted out of uh, of businesses and so on and so forth. So these families. Can't even go back to to the safety of their own homes for fear of being accosted by lunatics out there who really are quite frankly capable of anything. That's what makes this so serious.
3: Well, that's some of the serious threats that came in across Twitter. Here was this Jack Morrissey. He is a Disney producer. Uh, he says, "Mega." Kids go screaming hats first into the wood chipper, and then has an image of a bloody snow scheme with uh, the wood chipper. You know, these were the serious threats. Also, those who are calling for the school to be burned down with the students in it, calling for a school shooter to go to the school. These are all being tracked down, and right now we understand that the county prosecutor, Rob Sanders, has actually requested records request of the tech giants of Twitter and Facebook to track down the location. And the identity of these individuals. What he did indicate to us, and this is breaking news, there will be charges filed against individuals. So we don't know the nature of. And he said, I would like to file a lot more charges. Um, you know, as he's looking at this, but he said there will be charges filed. So we're waiting on that. He's also waiting for records requests to be uh, to be honored uh, by Twitter and Facebook of some of these threats that came in against uh, around on social media towards the students that did invoke panic and, a, and an act of terrorism against the christian school and its students
1: this is a terrifying thing chris long and, and i'm so glad to know that you are um uh, you are pushing this do you know uh, is there, are there is there anyone else who is you know uh, not you know obviously we're here in ohio this happened in washington dc covington is in kentucky are there any other groups like yours that are out there pushing for uh some sort of justice and some sort of law enforcement uh against those who have been making these threats or is this kind of all you
3: well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Well, it's not. It's, it's actually, we had 20 uh, national organizations that signed on the letter that we put forward to the FBI, uh, both pro-life, pro-family, and legal advocacy organizations that okay. signed on the letter. We also have our national identity, Christian Alliance of America, so we're, we're working with it uh, <laughs> under that umbrella as well. But I want to encourage people to sign the petition. Last time I was on with you, we didn't have it launched. It's on our website. There's importance for this, Bob. If they go to OhioCA.org or just Google Ohio Christian Alliance, go to the top of the page, sign the petition, because we're going to keep the pressure on the, you know, the, the FBI, for instance, and the Justice Department. This is an important issue. If they don't file charges against these individuals who have committed these crimes of harassment, criminal harassment is the category. Right. By the way, we got a, a letter from Attorney uh, General Dave Yost, who also sent a letter to the field office and FBI. Uh, in, in Louisville, Kentucky, because he said, I want to know if there's, uh, some of the students were from Ohio, or if there's an Ohio connection. Well, there actually is an Ohio connection, because one of the family's moms works in Cincinnati, a law firm. Her inbox was filled with hate and vicious and threatening uh, messages. The transcripts of those messages were sent to Rob Sanders, again, the county prosecutor who's taking the lead on the criminal investigation of this. So, this does have an ohio connection as one of the families that was doxed and uh, exposed publicly uh that that lady received threats into the law office in cincinnati so there's lots more to come with this this is a story that's not going to go away and it shouldn't go away it should be pursued and there should be criminal uh charges filed against those who made these serious threats
1: i completely concur and i and i'm looking at the petition now because i've already signed it when you first put it out but i'm trying to get a total on it do you know where you are on it as far as, far as numbers?
3: We've had several thousand, actually, from around the country that have signed the petition. So I was on with a couple of national programs of people that have signed the petition. So, again, if you've not signed the petition, please do so. We're going to be submitting this to the FBI so that they can see that this is important uh, to citizens, that this be pursued, that this is not something that needs to be overlooked, but it needs to be pursued and followed through by law, law enforcement.
1: Chris, very important work you're doing, and as is almost all of the work that you do, and I just really want to thank you for doing this on behalf of uh, of, of these families, on behalf of these kids, but more moreover, on behalf of decent uh, decent society. We cannot allow this type of bullying, these type of threats, these types of things that sometimes just you know start and end with words online, you know, internet muscles as they were, but sometimes lead to actual uh, the carrying out of these types of threats of violence, and and we have to take them very seriously. So well, thank you well, for doing you what could. you're doing.
3: Well, thank you, Bob. There's so much at stake, because if we don't stand up for these kids who came out and participated in the March for Life, we're going to see fewer numbers of young people participating in the National March for Life. And that's the last thing we need right now. In that the pro-life is so... Movement. That
1: is so important, what you just said, because as you know, my daughter participated in this with her school, and they were given instructions, they were warned ahead of time, that you may encounter protesters who don't like what you're there for. Do not engage with them, do not talk to them, do not do anything to to ramp up situations with them. And I promise you, there are some parents who saw that, whoa, they're going to get into situations, they're going to get into, uh, you know, uh, um, where they may be confronted by protesters. I don't want to let my child go, just out of fear for the safety and then as you say that shrinks the movement that shrinks the march for life numbers and it shows uh you know those uh uh, you you know it just it it might send a message that it's not as important to us as it once was if the numbers start to shrink so that's a very important point we need to make sure the precedent is set here that you cannot threaten the kids like this and get away with it
3: Uh, well that's right well, thank you, Bob. appreciate it. Again, if people just go to the Ohio Christian Alliance website, sign the petition to support the Covington Catholic High School students. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Chris. That's Pastor Chris Long joining us from the Ohio Christian Alliance on AM 1420. The answer we will get news now, and we'll come right back. And uh, Ryan Moore is going to join <laughs> us about some other threats uh, that we are facing in this country. Religious threats. Yes. Radical Islamic extreme, extremism in our own cities and backyards. We're going to tell you about that with Ryan Moore coming up on AM 1420. The